Hey, listeners. Do you have some time on your schedule on May 27th? Want to hear from some of the leaders in DevOps and the open source community and network with other engineers? Reserve your spot for Open Observability, the online conference scheduled for May 27th that will feature exclusive presentations from the visionaries behind several open source projects, as well as best practices and success stories from engineers around the globe. Cloudcast is a proud sponsor with the event host Logs.io and to be exclusive podcast sponsor for this three-hour open source community event. Head to openobservability.io, that's openobservability.io, to reserve your seat today. Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is The Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to The Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Wanted to dig right into cloud news of the week. Um, we've got uh, a few interesting acquisitions this week. It is acquisition week without a doubt. Um, well, with that, we'll jump right into story number one. For story number one, we have a, actually almost a complimentary follow-up to one that I talked about uh, back in April, which is Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft announces... Uh, the acquisition of MetaSwitch Networks. Now, this follows on the previous acquisition of Affirmed Networks back in April. And now, what was Affirmed? Affirmed Networks was 5G-related. And MetaSwitch Networks is all about virtualized network uh, software, you know, SDN kind of things, but all about voice, data, and communications. And... They've already announced they're going to roll both of these acquisitions into the Azure platform. So you're seeing some really interesting technologies and in trying to bring something a little different uh, above and beyond just standard public cloud networking, if you will, with these. So it'll be really interesting to see the long-term vision for all of this. And now jumping into our second story of the week. The second story of the week is VMware. VMware is uh, still out there buying companies. Um, and this one actually is uh, maybe a little bit wasn't on people's radars just yet. But there was a very early stage Kubernetes security startup called Octarine, which they'd only raised $9 million. Uh, and uh, VMware uh, sucked them up uh, this week. Uh, and it was all about folding it into the Carbon Black acquisition. So Carbon Black, uh, if you don't remember, security company, they bought them last year for $2.1 billion. Uh, the company did not reveal the price of, of this acquisition. But uh, what is uh, this uh, acquisition? It is all about uh, Kubernetes and um, uh, what they call intrinsic security strategy. But basically what that means is is folding in security uh, at the container's native layer and embedding this into the VMware platform. And specifically, how do you go and take that and integrate that into Tanzu in particular? And for our third story for Cloud News of the Week, we have Cloudcast alumni. Uh, Cloudcast alumnus uh, DigitalOcean um, has raised another $50 million. And so, you know, this one isn't necessarily an acquisition per se, but what's really interesting here is the financials 
behind this. Um, not too long ago, they raised uh, a really significant amount of debt, uh, you know, in, in the neighborhood of nine figures. Uh, and so it was a little surprising uh, that they decided to take some additional funding after they had just raised so much debt. But this was more about the existing investors, uh, specifically uh, Andreessen Horowitz uh, of note and, and Axis Industries, um, just wanting to make sure they got in on the next stage. And why would they want to do something like that? Well, DigitalOcean is is growing and growing really significantly. Um about 20% growth they've publicly announced in, in half a year. Um, and uh, really, really nice recurring revenue rates. Um, the company reached $250 million mark there. And the valuation of the company is, uh, they've, they're officially unicorn status as well. They're worth $1.15 billion uh, as well. So congrats to DigitalOcean and, and certainly wish them the best. And uh, with that, that's going to wrap up Cloud News of the Week and uh, on to the show. Today's show is sponsored by StrongDM. Are you transitioning your team to work from home? Are you managing a gazillion SSH keys, database passwords, and Kubernetes certs? Well, meet StrongDM. Manage and audit access to servers, databases, and Kubernetes clusters, no matter where your employees are. With StrongDM, you can easily extend your identity provider to manage infrastructure access, automate onboarding and offboarding, and move people within roles. You can even grant temporary access that automatically expires to on-call teams. Your admins will get full auditability into anything anybody does, when they connect, what queries they run, and what commands are typed. This means full visibility into everything. For SSH, RDP, and Kubernetes, this means video replays. For databases, it's a single unified query log across all database management systems. StrongDM is used by companies like Hearst, Peloton, Betterment, Greenhouse, and SoFi to manage access. It's more control and less hassle. That's strong DM. Manage and audit remote access to infrastructure. Start your free 14-day trial today at strongdm.com slash cloudcast. Today's Cloudcast is sponsored by Datadog, a modern full-stack monitoring platform for cloud infrastructure, applications, and log metrics all in one place. Use Datadog's customizable dashboards to monitor, correlate, visualize, and alert on data from devices and cloud backends to have full visibility into performance. Datadog breaks down the silos within an organization's teams and removes blind spots that could cause potential downtime. With over 350 integrations, Datadog makes it easy for teams to collaborate together and monitor every layer of their stack within a single platform. So try Datadog for yourself with a free 14-day trial, and you'll receive a complimentary t-shirt. Just go to datadog.com cloudcast. That's datadog.com cloudcast. And we're back. Um, today, we're going to talk a little bit uh, about um, some areas that we haven't gone into in a while. Uh, one of those being kind of infrastructure and another one being uh, being security and security around infrastructure. And for that conversation today, we have Chief Strategy Officer at Blue Cat, Andrew Wirtkin. Andrew, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderfully. How about yourself? Fantastic. Fantastic. And as we were just talking about, it's... Uh, little bit rainy uh, here in Raleigh today, but you know, it's springtime. So we, we come to expect that a lot around here. How, how is it for yourself up in Toronto, Ro? Well, it was below freezing this morning, which is springtime in Toronto. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So Andrew, tell everyone a little bit about yourself before we get started. Sure. I'm uh, so I've 
at the chief strategy officer at Blue Cat, I've I've actually been here about seven years, and I came in as the as the CTO. But as we continued to drive forward and expand, um, I started you know really concentrating much more on our our product strategy, go to market strategy, how we interact with um, with our our customers in general, and I think that's you know, from a business perspective, what my, who I am and what my passion is. And that's really trying to understand where markets are going, uh, where our customers are going and what our customers are trying to invest in, in order to meet their large initiatives so that I can, and, and therefore Blue Cat can, um, drive the right products at the right time. But I have a history, sort of an entrepreneurial history of, uh, startups and, and also working in large organizations. Fantastic. And and that goes right into our topic today. It's all about network security and foundations. And and over the network over the years, our networks have really become pretty complex, right? Like in the old days it was it was much easier. Um and we kind of have this not only that, we have multiple infrastructure systems uh to maintain, such as on-prem DHCP or VPC connections into public cloud and you know, public facing connections as well. And so tell everyone a little bit about the challenge that your customers are facing and your findings with customers in, in this industry today. Yeah. You know, a lot of it boils down to just uh, speed of change. You know, we come from uh, over the last few years going from, you know, it was okay to deploy a new globally routable network in 30 days. I mean, things didn't have to happen immediately. Now they have to happen immediately and they have to happen immediately because of the sorts of services and applications that are being created by these companies. They can't, um, you can't wait for these long, long change management processes. And so that, that means different technologies come to play and, and whether it's cloud uh, and in cloud as a, as a one representation of virtualized networks or, or network virtualization on premise as well. Um, you can't, change things sort of at that physical, at the underlay level in a network as fast as you need to. So our, uh, my customers, the industry has, has invested pretty heavily in, in, in technologies that allow them to make rapid changes to the network without having to worry about um, potential downtime and um, you know, all of the things that used to happen during that change management process. It's got to happen quickly. So I've, and, and there's a couple of terms I've heard thrown around here. So let's do a little bit of terminology here. Um, I've heard terms like enterprise DNS. Um, and then I've heard DDI, you know, DNS, DHCP and, and IPAM or IP, IP address management. What's the differences? Let's start there. Yeah. So DDI is, is an acronym of acronyms, you know, and, uh, and, and in that it's just, it's also not one of the most recognized terms. If you're, if you're in the DDI business or your job is working at an enterprise managing this internal infrastructure, you know, this acronym, but it's, it's not wildly, widely known. And, uh, and really being an acronym of acronyms, um, doesn't, really stress what we're trying to do and what we're trying to do with our customers. So, so we start talking about enterprise DNS or adaptive DNS, things that really um, drive towards the core value statement, which is this incredibly critical infrastructure of DNS running inside of corporations and everything that needs to happen to keep that up. We're still an IPAM vendor. We're still a DHCP vendor. 
but we, we, we really focus on from a nomenclature standpoint where most of the value is and most of the value is on the DNS side. IPAM is a, is a critical tool and is a critical tool, especially for those that, that need to ensure that DNS is up and correct and, you know, properly configured, but it has its own use cases. DHCP is another critical service. Um, but it, it doesn't tend to, to have the um, change impact that DNS has. Um, and, and frankly, the, you know, it, it's one small mistake on the DHCP side. Perhaps there's some people that can't get IP addresses the next time their lease renews. On the DNS side, you can take an entire company off the internet with one small mistake. So it, it's, it's really where we focus. And I think it's because where our customers believe there's the most value as well. But ultimately, it's the same thing. What we don't mean is internet DNS. You know, we, what we don't need is what, where we don't as a company compete is, you know, um, uh, against those that are deploying external DNS that allows for geo load balance services for worldwide web applications. I mean, global applications, um, like those at, um, uh, you know, Cloudflare or some other companies do as well. We're very focused on inside out. We do some outside, but most of it's inside out. And that's what we mean by enterprise DNS. Kind of a follow on to that. Um, how does, um, you know, design technology or design considerations from a solutions architecture standpoint of, you know, IPv4, IPv6, or, you know, SDN, software defined networking, how does all of that play into all of this when we're trying to design and think about all of these at a large scale? Yeah, it just, it, it's more reasons why you need, you know, historically, um, if you don't, if you don't have a, a DDI or an enterprise DNS system and, and, and many companies don't, you know, they, they, but every company has DNS and every company has DHCP. So historically, if you're not managing this via a, a centralized control plane, like a, a central place where this is configured and monitored and deployed. Um, now, now you're struggling with, with you know, manual changes across a whole series of different things. And so when you look at things like, okay, we used to be IPv4, now we're adopting IPv6, you bring another layer of complexity that's required for your business. So you've got this compounding complexity and now you're, there's really no chance you're going to be able to, you know, keep the hamster wheel going fast enough to manage this stuff appropriately. Um, so for us, it just means, you know, it's it, first of all, you know, IPv4 to IPv6 is um, way more than uh, more IP addresses. You know, the, the entire networking foundation is different. And certainly the way some of these protocols work is, is a bit different as well. Um, so from a design thinking standpoint, they're not afterthoughts. These are things that are sort of designed in um, software-defined networking. The same for, for me, that that um, that term, um, you know, has really has really um, what's the right word? It has realized itself in different sets of products, like the SD WAN, so the software-defined wide area network products that are out there, or um, you know, there, there's a great deal of virtualized networking platforms that are SDN platforms. These are areas where since I can now centrally control and deploy policy-based networking, I can do things much faster. So for me, it just, those technologies just re represent what is necessary 
to change things faster. And, and everything will be software defined at some point. I mean, you, you can't, unless you've got a couple of switches, as opposed to the 40 or 80,000 that some of our large customers have, there, there's no real opportunity to manage this stuff onesie twosie. It has to be managed from a centralized control plane that's different from what the actual switches are doing. So if I can deploy networks faster, if I can both bring up new networks, bring them down, um, I need to rapidly deploy not just the network, but policies around them. Who's allowed to access this? Is there egress allowed? Is there ingress allowed? All of that needs to be done via software and via automation and, and new ways of looking at this stuff. And from a Blue Cat perspective, you know, if you, if you don't have a, an actual IPAM application, if you're not managing this stuff, then literally some of the largest corporations in the world have somebody with a spreadsheet. And they're not going to this person with the spreadsheet every time they need to bring up a network or shut down a network. They're allocating huge blocks and they've lost all granularity. There's no ability to have any governance or compliance over this stuff. So it's it's uh, it's a bit wild, wild west in the world of SDN if you give up on the ability to centrally control this stuff because central control means you know there's John with his spreadsheet and nobody can do anything unless John tells them what to do. <laughs> well, it, it's so. To, and we actually to, have a customer where the guy with the spreadsheet's named John. Well, it, it's funny you, <laughs> you say that because I, you know I'll go back to my days and and I'm gonna really really date myself, but I'm 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 shocked and it's humorous to hear that because you know way back when in my data center management days and it goes you know 15 20 years ago at this point you know uh, i knew mark and mark managed the spreadsheet at our place right and yeah. <laughs> and how little um uh some things that you know we've had these massive changes in technology and massive changes in our industry but something as simple as that, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure the spreadsheet that we had, we managed, I don't know, 70, 80 sites globally and thousands and thousands of devices. That spreadsheet was probably one of the most complex documents in the entire organization, you know, way back it was, when. It was, it, was, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was crazy complex and, uh, and, and you couldn't just never ask. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't just ask John or Mike, whoever it is, you actually have to befriend the person to get your requests up higher in the queue. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a politics as well as a manual process in some cases. Yeah. Well, it, it's really, so what's really interesting to me is even though we have all of these, uh, you know, transformations that have happened and all of these technology advancements and all of these, the, the, the biggest thing I've seen is this, no, no matter what, you know, whether it's storage, whether it's networking, this move to policy-based management, because how else are you really going to grow and scale and move from tens of devices to hundreds of devices to thousands of devices to millions of devices? I mean, you know, policy-driven management seems to be the really large trend in our industry, but at the same time, it sounds like a lot of times, even on something like this, it still comes back to a spreadsheet at times. Yeah, no, it, it does. And, uh, and, you know, cause you've got these, you've got these two worlds where, um, I don't care how quickly you can do things. There are good, uh, rules and, um, you know, around things like governance and compliance and change control in general. Um, I need to know, how that was configured, why it was configured that way. I need to know if it's being configured differently than normal and what what approvals I got for that. You know, I, I might have a, for instance, I've deployed a cloud application and, and the default is 
uh, all egress is still coming back to data center and out through our security apparatus. Let's say that's the, the policy. And I need to go directly out to the internet because of performance reasons or whatever else. So now I, I'm, I'm asking for a change. And, and just because I can deploy this stuff easily with software uh, doesn't mean it shouldn't be governed and tracked and approved and everything else. And so you, you have to be able to do this stuff way faster and do it way, stuff, way faster with, with policy that's sort of been pre-approved. So you're not out there scoping out, you know, you've got these, these higher level elements that can be used or stereotypes, whatever you want to call them, that can be used to rapidly configure something given the right level of approval. So all this stuff can be tracked and we know what our basic in egress and ingress is and we know we we know if things are are configured you know and how they're configured and why they're configured that way and so it just it just the 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 that juxtaposition of i need to be able to do things incredibly fast to support the business and they still need to be secure they still need to be governed i still need to meet my compliance requirements is I think what finally brings things like doing it at a higher level, like a policy level, like, cause you can't do it without that. You have to get out of the weeds. And if you're deploying this stuff in cloud, you can't get in the weeds. You're not logging into one of Amazon's switches or Google's switches and, uh, and, and, you know, getting to their command line, telnetting in and, and, and configuring routes. It's, it's not happening. So, you know, to some point you, you and, and certainly you don't want to do it piecemeal, you know, you want it to happen in a repeatable unit that can be tested. Now, how has, I, I, th I tend to think of all of this as, okay, it's, you know, it's network, it's transport layer, it's, you know, plumbing, quite frankly. But how has this era of new devices, you know, whether it's, you know, now you've got VoIP devices and those VoIP devices, you know, need a transport layer that's pretty rock solid or, or IoT, meaning, you know, lots of devices on and off a network at any given time. And so you've got lots of changes happening to the network, right? I think about edge and, and the implications of edge of, you know, maybe there is a certain amount of processing that's happening at the edge, and then only a certain amount of data is backhauled. How has the, the these new types of devices affected the management and security approaches of all of this? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's been, it's been quite a shift because you can't rely necessarily on the way, you know, it, it can no longer be that you can't put something on the network unless you can put an approved security agent on it, for instance, because many of these devices, there's no ability to log in and install anything if you wanted to, um, you know, as one example. Um, and, uh, and, and certainly, you know, the example I gave before about backhauling everything to the data center, like that doesn't necessarily work anymore because uh, you're paying for that. So cost goes up. So the more devices out in the edge, the more, the more um, data that's transported back, the more you're paying for that. And, and not only are you paying for it, but you're probably losing out on things like performance and geolocated services. We see a massive shift just with normal compute from companies that had uh, centralized, you know, maybe six, eight data centers around the world where all egress was happening or different regional network access points where all egress was happening to the internet, switching over to direct internet access for cost, for performance. And once you do that, now, now what? Because our traditional firewalls and proxies and everything else we were doing is are in the data center. So how do we 
how do we ensure that we're we're securing this stuff? Because these devices, because in many cases you can't put endpoint agents on them, for instance, they're actually a little scarier. What are these things doing? And so there's a whole series of of um, of you know uh, technology products solutions for this sort of stuff, and and that that yields um, uh, different ways to segment devices and segment networks, and and you know segmentation in general becomes more important than ever. Um, but also it, it brings all sorts of challenges on, okay, what are these things actually doing? Like, like one of the things we do today, which is not something that we probably could have convinced a customer was important to them 10 years ago, five years ago, uh, we're starting to hear a bit about it, but now like the light bulb is on is, you know, we can do, uh, like on the DNS side, we can do specific policies for device or device types or networks. So that IoT device is actually only querying like six or seven hosts. It's a very special purpose. It only does this one thing. So we can actually segment DNS as well. So I can't ask a question outside. There should be no reason that your Coke machine or your multimedia device controller or your your sensor counting, you know, number of people going in and out of the store, whatever the use case is, there's probably no reason for that thing to be looking at any of your internal systems. So why let it look up the DNS of any of your internal systems or why let it go to, yeah, the, the example I always give is, is our, our point of sale customers, a point of sale machine might look up 15 different DNS names. If the 16th is google.com, it's compromised, rip it out of the wall because it's not supposed to look up google.com. So, you know, part of it is looking for new and innovative ways to segment uh, what these devices should be doing. And that has to happen programmatically. It, 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 there's no time to to do it any other way. So, um, so you see a lot of different approaches to try to replace the sort of heavy-handed security architectures of the past with more intelligent ways to do it at the edge and in combination with cloud and, you know, how the cloud can be used as the the you know most scalable scrubber of of stuff going in and out because you know if if I can if I can use cloud services to to scrub even better. Yep, and so we kind of you know went into the granular, but but let's yeah, that's a great point. Let's talk about unification here for a second. This unification uh, across clouds, across on prem, because at the end of the day, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't there differences in DNS implementations out there between vendors, between clouds? And how do you, you know, either abstract away and or unify these technologies that at times may be different in their implementations? Yeah. Um, very different in some cases. And, and, you know, when you look at things like cloud DNS, none that are um, enterprise compliant and, and, and that's not a, in any way, shape, or form, like a diss on the cloud DNS. Those cloud DNS implementations exist to meet very specific use cases. And, you know, one of those is not, in it for most of the clouds, managing the the complexities of internal private DNS. They they have the ability to manage some private DNS, but they, they don't do they're they're not they're not compliant with with all of the requirements of DNS. So you can't do a lot of the things you need to do. What you can do and what they're used for um, both on the private side and on the public side of DNS is, um, you know, like if I'm building a, a microservice-based application in 
in AWS, for instance, and I'm using AWS's uh, application load balancers, for instance, the, the, there's a very tight tie-in with that in their DNS implementation to make sure that I'm getting, I'm getting the right answer. So I'm going to healthy services. It's built into the system, and so where we still play with that, and we play with it to bridge that to corporate DNS. We play with it to ensure that it's compliant and governed and all of those other things. That's that service was engineered for AWS. So I'm not going to put all of my DNS there. I'm going to put very specific DNS there that normally in many cases isn't even queried by anybody sort of working in the enterprise. It's used by that, that microservice-based application. So it, it, it's oftentimes it would break if you tried to manage it otherwise because you've got maybe you know 10 or 20 or 30 or however many different different clusters of this application you might be using exactly this same names with different answers and you know you shouldn't doesn't really work with normal dns or overlapping ip addresses or other things so there's very specific implementations for very specific reasons but you've got to abstract yourself from that because people are implementing multi-cloud they're using different clouds uh, different types of compute are running on different clouds. And ultimately, um, you need low latency, correct answers to the users. And the users are never in the cloud data centers. You know, the users are all over the world. And right. so right. it can't just be there. And so, and, and I, I think that's, you know, for, for the same reason, um, uh, you know, with with many of the infrastructure components, your, your, you know, companies are, are trying not to lock themselves in there, but, but what they want is that same type of cloud management. Um, you know, when I, when I'm self-critical of our industry historically, uh, many industries, it's, you know, we historically, us, most infrastructure passes the complexity to the customer. So you better know how to manage that storage area network. If it goes down, it's your fault. You better understand how to manage your switching routing. If you do it incorrectly, it's your fault. You better understand how to manage DNS. If you do it incorrectly, it's your fault. Like you bought the product from us. Here's the manual. Here's training. Here's our support desk. We'll, we'll try our damnedest to answer every single question and make sure you're healthy. And, and frankly, we do we do a great job with that. But still, you transfer the responsibility to the customer. And that's just how traditional on-premises infrastructure works. The cloud experience is very different. You don't know when and if a cloud service was, you know, I mean, Amazon might have updated their DNS service last night. You don't know. You're not responsible for keeping a service healthy. You're responsible for just using it and paying for what you use. And that, you know, as a service swing, where somebody else needs to understand the complexity. I just want to add records, delete records, add zones, delete zones. I, I want to, um, I want to use it. Um, that's very important, and and we think about that across our cloud native products and also our on premises products. How do we allow our customers to to use this thing in anger, like you know, pound away at it, without having to understand how to keep it healthy? Because that's our responsibility. And, and, and so when I look at the swing from on-premises, sort of perpetual infrastructure to as a service, I think that's the most critical piece. Vendors providing that sort of as a service um, uh, experience 
whether the stuff is deployed in a cloud or it's deployed on premises. Yeah, that's that's both a fantastic point and uh, a fantastic place to stop as well. We're uh, about at our time. So, Andrew, where can everyone find out more about you, about Blue Cat, and uh, uh, learn more? Well, Blue Cat for sure, bluecatnetworks.com. Um, I, I have a podcast of my own, uh, Network Disrupted, which you can look up on Spotify or, or on Apple, um, and, uh, and or I'm at Awardkin on Twitter. Um, but, uh, and please do reach out. And thank you very much. Yeah, fantastic. And what we'll do is we'll, we'll make sure we get links to everything in the show notes. Uh, Andrew, uh, thank you very much for your time today. And uh, we'll talk to everyone next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 